Welcome to Jeff's Letters. This is an audio narration of Jeff Bezos' annual letter to shareholders. My name is Preet Anand, and I am your narrator. There's so much wisdom in these letters that they need to be as accessible as possible, and that's why I'm putting them on audio. This is a non-commercial effort, with public education being my goal. Now, on to the letter. Long-term thinking is both a requirement and an outcome of true ownership. Owners are different from tenants. I know of a couple who rented out their house, and the family who moved in nailed their Christmas tree to the hardwood floors instead of using a tree stand. Expedient, I suppose, and admittedly these were particularly bad tenants, but no owner would be so short-sighted. Similarly, many investors are effectively short-term tenants turning their portfolios so quickly they are really just renting the stocks that they temporarily own. We emphasized our long-term views in our 1997 letter to shareholders, our first as a public company, because that approach really does drive making many concrete, non-abstract decisions. I'd like to discuss a few of these non-abstract decisions in the context of customer experience. At Amazon.com, we use the term customer experience broadly. It includes every customer-facing aspect of our business, from our product prices to our selection, from our website's user interface to how we package and ship items. The customer experience we create is by far the most important driver of our business. As we design our customer experience, we do so with long-term owners in mind. We try to make all of our customer experience decisions big and small in that framework. Editor's note, as Jeff articulates in previous letters, what's good for customers is good for business. That's the framework that they're looking for on the long term. Back to the letter. For instance, shortly after launching Amazon.com in 1995, we empowered customers to review products. While now a routine Amazon.com practice, At the time, we received complaints from a few vendors, basically wondering if we understood our business. You make money when you sell things. Why would you allow negative reviews on your website? Speaking as a focus group of one, I know I've sometimes changed my mind before making purchases on Amazon.com as a result of negative or lukewarm customer reviews. Though negative reviews cost us some sales in the short term, Helping customers make better purchase decisions ultimately pays off for the company. Another example is our instant order update feature, which reminds you that you've already bought a particular item. Customers lead busy lives and cannot always remember if they've already purchased a particular item, say a DVD or CD they bought a year earlier. When we launched instant order update, we were able to measure with statistical significance that the feature slightly reduced sales. Good for customers? Definitely. Good for share owners? Yes, in the long run. Among the most expensive customer experience improvements we're focused on are our everyday free shipping offers and our ongoing product price reductions. Eliminating defects, improving productivity, and passing the resulting cost savings back to customers in the form of lower prices is a long-term decision. Increased volumes take time to materialize, and price reductions almost always hurt current results. In the long term, however, 
relentlessly driving the price-cost structure loop will leave us with the stronger, more valuable business. Since many of our costs, such as software engineering, are relatively fixed, and many of our variable costs can also be better managed at larger scale, driving more volume through our cost structure reduces those costs as a percentage of sales. To give one small example, engineering a feature like instant order update for use by 40 million customers costs nowhere near 40 times what it would cost to do the same for 1 million customers. Our pricing strategy does not attempt to maximize margin percentages, but instead seeks to drive maximum value for customers and thereby create a much larger bottom line in the long term. For example, we're targeting gross margins on our jewelry sales to be substantially lower than industry norms because we believe over time this approach will produce more value for shareholders. We have a strong team of hardworking, innovative folks building Amazon.com. They are focused on the customer and focused on the long term. On that time scale, the interests of share owners and customers are aligned. P.S. Again this year, the widely followed American Customer Satisfaction Index gave Amazon.com a score of 88, the highest customer satisfaction score ever recorded in any service industry, online or off. A representative of the ACSI was quoted as saying, if they go any higher, they will get a nosebleed. We're working on that. Commentary. This letter is interesting because I'm pretty sure Jeff is trying to do some clever things in how he's messaging this. For one, this letter's title is Long-Term Thinking. What's interesting is that since 1997, the majority of letters have had the words long-term or long-view in their title. The 1997 letter has the word long-term. The 1999 letter has the word long-term. The 2000 letter has the words long view, and now the 2003 letter has the words long term again. Another thing that's really interesting about this letter is there is no commentary on near-term results. He doesn't talk about share price. He doesn't talk about revenue. He doesn't talk about annual growth rate. He doesn't talk about free cash flow. The emphasis is on the principles, and the emphasis is on long-term thinking. But I thought we'd put these into context because it's actually really interesting. At the end of 2003, Amazon's share price was about 2.6, which is more than double where it was the year before, and it's over 10x where it was in 1997. On revenue, Amazon did roughly $5.3 billion in revenue in the year 2003 which is over 33% higher than it did the previous year. So still very impressive growth at that size. Also, that revenue is 35x what they did in 1997. So Jeff is not talking about short-term results because he wants you focused on the long-term, but those short-term results are impressive. The takeaway for me 
is the value of walking people through a specific example. Values, such as long-term thinking, are often really easy to talk about at a general level, but it's often hard to show what it looks like to operate consistently with your values in practice. And Jeff takes us through an example where he and the team deliberately sacrificed sales a little bit, right? They had a statistically significant result where implementing instant order update resulted in a small but measurable hit to sales. But since their value is to focus on what's right for the customer and focus on the long term, they made a decision to still roll it out. Here we are, you know, nearly 20 years in the future, and we feel like they are brilliant. But that probably was a little bit hard to do. And so in this letter, he's reinforcing those values and making everyone realize these are the sorts of decisions we're willing to do. And I think that's a takeaway. When you have a value, you have to make sure you test it really in practice to see, are you really willing to back it up? Thank you for being a listener. I hope you've been enjoying Jeff's letters, and I have a favor to ask. Please share Jeff's letters with somebody that you think would enjoy it. Somebody who enjoys the audio format, obviously, but somebody who's looking to dig deeper into how a incredible business leader articulates their business philosophies and how they've approached building an iconic company. My goal is public education here, and the more people who can listen to Jeff's letters or read them are the more people who can benefit. So help me out, and after you share it, I look forward to seeing you at the next episode.